Part One, Mojo. Define yourself on your own terms. Here's one of my favorites from Johnny Cash. I found out there weren't too many limitations if I did it my way. The truth punctuates. You shouldn't take advice from someone you don't really know, who hasn't dreamed big, or suffered for a spell, or with whom you haven't experienced at least one major religious holiday. The sessions that await you abound with righteous persuasions and advice. My righteous persuasions and advice. Thus, you and I should get a bit more acquainted. So before you get to the business of soul unfurling. And ambition refining, and taking my word on any of it, allow me to introduce myself by way of a very defining moment in my life. We had the corner table at JJ Bean Cafe on Commercial Drive and Six in Vancouver. There were loan documents, term sheets, and talking points piled next to my peppermint tea. I was looking to Lance, my investor and mentor, to give me some straight-up sage advice. My company was being torn apart by a clash of wills and motives. It was wretched. Everything was on the line: hundreds of thousands of dollars, five years of full tilt labor and love, long-term relationships, reputations, a very big dream. I had a lawyer, two of them. I had a business coach. I had a Buddhist shrink. What I needed was a friend with hardcore business acumen, someone who knew the ropes and who knew me. I had that desperate "What should I do?" crease across my forehead. I was pushing hard for answers, somersaulting over scenario A or B or Z. Lance made it clear, with his eyes twinkling. He said, "You're freer than you think you are." You must be kidding me! Free? I'd never felt so trapped in my life. The pressure was a whole new phenomenon in my nervous system. Bankers were calling my cell phone. Investors were having clandestine meetings without me, and my once beloved business partner and I hadn't spoken to each other in months. Trial by fire. How I got here. I have a degree in faking it till you make it. I earned it, and then I burned it. In 2000, I was wearing a black suit and loafers, with a straight bob haircut, as executive director of a Washington D.C.-based think tank of world-class futurists. I shopped white papers to the Pentagon and the World Bank. I wrangled an incredible team of quirky Mensa-level thinkers to surmise and analyze potential outcomes for the AIDS epidemic in Africa, possible global water shortages, chaotic social meltdowns. And you know stuff like that. In terms of think tanks, it was Candyland. Smart, fast-moving, and funded. Almost daily, I was asked where I went to college. I didn't, and to sign yet another non-disclosure agreement, which I did. From nine to five, I read about weapons of mass destruction and scenario planning. On weekends, it was Rilke's poetry, Jadu Krishnamurti's theology, and the latest Rolling Stone. James Carville said that D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people. Think tanks are a bit glam in the capital. 
but behind my title and White House security pass, I was managing a raging imposter complex. What I craved was pop culture and mysticism. My uh, progressive attitude clashed with the policies and posturings that is the fabric of the political scene. In my first month in town, I showed up to a White House meeting with purple streaks in my hair. I may as well have flashed a KGB badge when I pulled up to the table. The meeting chair took me aside afterward. You're not from here, are you? He said with a wink. I was learning a lot, but mostly I was wilting inside. Eventually I resigned. More accurately, I fled back to my homeland, burned out and confused. I looked at my loafers and I thought, who the hell bought those? I schlepped my suits to the consignment store, I dyed my hair bright red, pierced my nose, and I got some new tattoos. Naturally. <laughs>